Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. Let's go, let's go. Welcome to the introductory episode of a series of podcasts that I plan to do on the book of James. I'm calling it James on Justice, an appeal for classless Christianity. And uh, my guess is that each of these episodes will be uh, just about a half an hour apiece. And there will probably be a dozen or so of them. I intend to try to post one uh, per maybe week for the next 12 weeks. And we'll just kind of see. That's my intention anyway. So I want to show you what I've been uh, beginning to understand about the, the, the book of James. I've studied the epistle many times over the years and have taught it a a number of times, but never with this theme of a classless Christianity where classism and Christianity clash. And I've begun to see something in this epistle that kind of ties it together. And so by, let me just say, by classless, I'm referring to socioeconomic class, not not the sort of class, quote-unquote, that all Christians ought to have. We should have class. We should be, you know, that sort of thing that we're, we're referring to when we say, you know, she's a class act. I don't mean that kind. I'm talking about the kind of class in the sense of the system of ordering a society uh, in which people are divided into, you know, sets, groups, based on perceived... Uh, social or economic status. That's the kind of class I'm talking about, and that's the kind of Christianity that should not uh, succumb to classism. It's not a Christ-like way to orient ourselves and or others in our own society into, into those kinds of dis- distinctions. So when I say classless Christianity, I don't mean Um, just among ourselves as Christians, and that would have to do with Christians just respecting other Christians and not think of themselves and their their own denomination as better than others. And that's a great start. We should start there, but uh, and and it's a good place to begin, uh, you know, this kind of classless Christianity, but that my my class of Christian is not, you know, better than your class of Christian. But but by classless Christianity, I, I'm really talking about the kind of Christianity that treats everybody basically the same. Everybody. That we advocate no caste system, you know, in some cultures and say in India for sure, uh, they have a system of castes where each caste level is uh, above or below the others. And, you know, in Christianity, we, we have no such idea of humanity in fact we propose and model in a cat in a, you know what a, an egalitarian treatment of all humans you know rich or poor black or white powerful and weak smart and ignorant christian or not we're all image bearers and on that level all of us are created equal as image bearers in the imago day so for my money James is the best book of the Bible 
to make the point that classism and Christianity clash. So when I, the, 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 the title James on justice, I mean the kind of justice that we all expect for ourselves and the kind that we hope for in the world that we live in. The kind that you know, Lady Justice represents, you know, the, the, the figure, the, the statue, the picture of Lady Justice. And she's holding a, 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 in one hand a sword as a representation of the power and strength of justice. And she's also holding a scale that represents the balance and fairness of justice. And a third symbol on the statue is the blindfold, which represents objectivity in the implementation of justice. So injustice is the misuse of power and privilege, and conversely, in a caste system, a class-filled system, the powerful misuses its privilege over the weak. And so justice is about and equal dignity and rights of other people. James and it addresses this throughout his epistle, in my opinion. Um, somebody defined injustice as what happens when someone uses their power to take from someone else the good things God intended them to have. Their life, their liberty, their dignity, or their, the fruit of their love uh, or their labor. Um, usually when you read a book multiple times in a row, <clears throat> the main themes of the book of the Bible begin to introduce themselves. And, and as I've been reading and rereading the epistle of James, his burdens for his readers began, began to stand out. And granted, <clears throat> when you read James, his style is, he kind of goes back and forth a lot. But as I read it over and over, uh, a couple of key themes rise to the surface um, and I want to follow that thread. So in these episodes, once I get through with the introduction, uh, it'll be kind of a commentary, uh, an audio commentator, comment, uh, commentary of the book of James. Uh, I'm not going to try to parse every verb and, and necessarily interpret every verse, but I, I kind of want to, I want to show you through the epistle this dominant theme that I think ties most of these seeming uh, kind of random threads together. And so if we can kind of connect the dots between these almost random proverbs-like uh, ideas of James, I think you'll, you'll see rise to the surface this classless Christianity. Um, you see, poverty and riches is in the background throughout the entire epistle, if not in the front of his mind. So, you know, at first or second or third glance, James' letter kind of reads like a collection of sermons, you know, like Proverbs. But and, and then he loops back and forth between, you know, a number of topics that were on his mind. And, and as, you know, James kind of took his teaching style from, from Jesus and from Solomon in Proverbs, more than from Paul, you know, especially how Paul wrote in some of his epistles that really systematic, you know. Um, but James kind of goes back and forth like a house painter, you know, with one coat and then another, you know, coat and then another coat if it's necessary, he just kind of keeps hitting the subject and then goes back to it later and then for a third or fourth time just to make sure that it's covered, you know. Um, 
And so when you look at it, it seems like he doesn't really have one one main message on his mind. But I think there is a, a, a main message on his mind about justice and about classless Christianity. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that, that's the thread that I see running through the epistle. I think if you ask most people that are familiar with the Bible and familiar with the book of James would say, you know, that the, the epistle is really about faith that works. Uh, you know, James would say, just don't just say it, do it. And most commentators agree that the key verse of the book is faith without works is dead. And I, I totally agree with that. James didn't pull any punches to make his point that a do-nothing kind of Christianity is no Christianity at all. And so I, I can't disagree with that. But there, there's a, a particular kind of good works, I believe, that James has on his mind, a, a particular sort of works or uh, activity or lifestyle that proves a saving faith. Um, you know, as with any of the epistles, uh, it's, it, you know, it's hard to know exactly what was on the writer's mind because we only have one side of the conversation. It's not like listening to somebody talk on the phone, but you're only hearing the one side of the conversation. And so we make our inferences when we're interpreting scripture based on you know, what we hear that one person saying, how he says it and how, how much he repeats it and how much time he gives to it, etc. And I think James was just concerned, especially about the clash of classes that he saw in the church. And he saw a church that was divided between the rich and the poor and, uh, and, and a church that what didn't respect that uh, the, the needs of the poor like they should. And so this clash of classes was, was as much in the church as it was in the world that he, he was a part of. And he just wasn't having it. And when he sees Christians as prejudiced and bigoted along economic lines as non-Christians, James just has to say, no way. So I think the category of works that James highlights is this clashless Christianity. And he was, cons- he was just way concerned about how Christians, especially rich ones, how they treat the poor. I mean, he says stuff like, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. True religion is to look after orphans and widows. Don't show favoritism uh, to, of the rich over the poor when they come into your church. And if a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food... Uh, and you do nothing about it, what good is it, you know? Uh, listen, you rich people, you, you've lived in luxury and self-indulgence and fatten yourselves in the day of slaughter. So you, you're going to notice the, the pictures that he gives the rich are, throughout the epistle are kind of grim, actually. And he says that the rich are prone to violence in chapter 2, prone to fraud in chapter 5, prone to fattened living in chapter 5. Their gold and silver, will, which will rust and will witness against them at the judgment, he says in chapter 5. Um, but really, I think he saves his most forceful attack for those who have made profit for themselves by fraud and oppression through failing to pay their workers on time in chapter 5, verse 4, and through violence, he says, against those who stood in their way in chapter 5, verse 6. 
I mean, he doesn't in the epistle, not that the poor are not to be rebuked and not that the poor have no sins, not that the poor are loved more by God than, than the rich by any means, but he, he doesn't in this epistle, in this place, rebuke the poor. He exhorts them to be patient. We'll see that when we get into the commentary. Um, but And it's very possible that the, the rich that he knew, the ones that he was familiar with, were predominantly oppressive, and the poor were the predominantly oppressed, which is rather typical in human history. And, and granted, it could just be a cultural context and not, not to be applied universally. In other words, he might have just seen the oppression of the rich over the poor among his own re- readers, and as a result, rebuked them. But and we're not supposed to take these as rules uh, for the righteous for all time. And I'd concede that he did have a specific social phenomena in mind, but, but that his rebukes, I think they have a, a universal applicability, especially knowing the rest of Scripture, like Proverbs and like the teachings of Jesus. You know, he says, blessed are the poor, and so on. Woe to you that are rich, Jesus said in Luke 6. So, you know, maybe he was weighted on the side of the poor more than the Bible as the as a whole would be. Uh, but the, uh, the, you know, not to get political about this, but the mantra, you know, to make America great again, uh, I think is often in some people's minds, at least interpreted, make America rich again. And I think we need this letter uh, more today than at least any time in my lifetime. That's one of the reasons I'm making the, the effort to do these uh, teachings. Um, James was known, uh, even in the Jewish community, as James the Just. He, he, was, a, he was quite an ascetic believer. You know, he didn't drink wine or cut his hair like a Nazarite. And, but even unbelieving Jews were in awe of his piety. Josephus, the the Jewish historian wrote, wrote uh, glaring, uh, highly of, of James. Um, so James, you know, he didn't expect anything of others that he wasn't willing to do himself. He lived a righteous life, James the Just. In fact, one account of his death is that he was beaten to death with a club. Another account was that he was, you know, obviously uh, contradicting accounts, both, maybe neither one of them is true, but the other one is that he was thrown down off the pinnacle of the temple, and uh, which he was undoubtedly martyred, and uh, which is no surprise that since he was, you know, pretty hard on the unsaved uh, community as, as he was on the saved community. But James, you know, he addresses uh, theoretical faith, you know, the faith that says, you know, I, I have faith, but, you know, I don't do anything about it. The kind that doesn't lead to action, theoretical faith. But he doesn't replace theoretical faith, as a lot of Christians do, with theoretical action. That is, he, he spells out specific works, specific Christian activities that do evidence a genuine and an authentic faith. I mean, he talks about how we talk, how we endure trials, but mostly he talks about justice issues and how we treat the poor and the vulnerable, which, which he says is a, you know, a classless Christianity. He speaks to the powerful rich and the vulnerable poor. Uh, 
In our day, it might be to the corporate kings of Wall Street and those who live on the street and the clash of classism and Christianity. So that's the end of this episode. Next time, I I think I'll get into uh, the the man James a little bit and compare him to his his teaching in the uh, epistle to some of the teachings of Jesus and the uh, Sermon on the Mount in particular. And then uh, probably by the third episode, we'll get into the commentary itself.